This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. From the Fox News Radio studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach. It's Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. We'll have a lot of breaking news throughout the show. This is the election season. I can't even say it's election Tuesday because now we're at Friday and we are finally getting closer and closer to naming a new president and getting closer and closer to finding out who is going to be in control of the Senate, although we might have to wait till January with this runoff. In the Senate, it looks like both Georgia races will have a, run- a runoff. I believe they'll be January 5th uh, because they have these rules where you got to have over 50 percent in one uh, and there was a jungle primary in the other so uh, it doesn't look like the sitting senator, Purdue, is going to have 50 percent. He's just under there, but favored to win. If those two ballots come in, if those two candidates come in for Republicans, they control the Senate and they are within striking distance in the House. Uh, but very successful on the presidency. It's a different deal. Uh, coming up this hour, uh, one of the smartest people in Washington, the publisher of The Federalist, Ben Dominic, will be with us and Kaylee McEnany at the bottom of the hour. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. Win, lose, or draw. Donald Trump should be known for this. Black votes, 12%. Let's go to Hispanics. 32% last night, Hispanic vote for Donald Trump. Donald Trump has expanded the party in numerous ways, and for all these people to say racist, racist, they're wrong, wrong. Well, what went wrong with the polls, and how did Trump and the GOP become the blue-collar party with the new appeal to minorities and emerging class of lawmakers? Uh, we will discuss the winning and surprising success. Number two. One word separates the positions of Joe Biden and Donald Trump on tabulating election results. Legal. The Biden camp says count every vote. The Trump camp says count every legal vote and vote and they're battling for that in multiple states uh, legally fighting back as the president's team lawyers up what are their complaints and what are their chances of judicial success we're going to look at the states where doubt reigns number one it's very close in pennsylvania right there's no question and so that means it's going to take longer to actually see who the winner is there's Several hundred thousand ballots remaining to be counted. The overwhelming majority of ballots will be counted by Friday. Uh, And there you go. Uh, Kathy Bookbar, she is the Pennsylvania Secretary of State, uh, answering the question, how much longer should we wait to pick a president? As five states slowly count the votes and the Trump lashes out as he watches his lead dwindle in Georgia, Pennsylvania, and grow, actually the deficit shrink for him in Arizona. So let me just tell you what just happened over the last, I guess, hour. Uh, we the president is now for the first time ever trailed in Pennsylvania, and he's now trailing in Georgia. Just moments ago, he started trailing in Pennsylvania, just barely. Keep in mind when it comes to Georgia, there are nine thousand outs, roughly nine thousand outstanding military ballots that don't have not been counted yet, and with a deficit of just uh, in Pennsylvania, it looks like. There's a 5,587 advantage right now for Joe Biden. In Nevada, he's got 11,000 up. In Arizona, he's up 47,000. And in Georgia, the president now trails by just 1,097. 
Well, yesterday, you know, the president came out and he's just outraged. Now, think about this. The most competitive guy in the country. He's seeing a 500 to 600,000 vote lead just shrink because for the first ever, we got this massive mail-in ballots. He told his guys and his women, don't mail in your ballot. Walk in there. And for the walk-in, he did good. Uh, To the day of, he did fantastic. On the overall mail-in, the Republicans and the president have struggled. Cut one. If you count the legal votes, I easily win. If you count the illegal votes, they can try to steal the election from us. If you count the votes that came in late, we're looking at them very strongly. But a lot of votes came in late. But it'll probably go through a process, a legal process. And uh, as you know, I've claimed certain states, and uh, he's claiming states, and we can both claim the states. But ultimately, I have a feeling judges are going to have to rule. But there's been a lot of shenanigans, and we can't uh, stand for that in our country. So would the president be better off just doing is coming out state, and he still thinks he's in this race, and he thinks if all the votes are counted, he's going to prevail. But let the lawyers run it and let the experts run it out in the field in Nevada. Uh, You know, Rick Grinnell, uh, backed by lawyers, let me know what's going on in Nevada. Uh, Also, we had Matt Schlapp out there. Uh, Dave Bossie, let us know, or Charlie Kirk, let us know what's going on on the ground in Arizona. In Pennsylvania, you have the former Attorney General, Pam Bondi, let us know there. And the president could just uh, umpire it. And in the end, if he doesn't have enough votes, that's it. This is a pandemic. Everyone, everything's changed. We had to have more mail-in ballots than ever before. Joe Biden's tone, cut five. In America, the vote is sacred. It's how people of this nation express their will. And it is the will of the voters. No one, not anything else, that chooses the president of the United States of America. So, each ballot must be counted. Democracy is sometimes messy. It sometimes requires a little patience as well. But that patience has been rewarded now for more than 240 years with a system of governance that's been the envy of the world. So I was talking to Jonathan Turley twice on TV today. And, you know, he's one of the finest legal minds. And what he had as a combination, he's a very good communicator. And he said, if I'm to look at everything, the thing, though, in terms of all the cases, they, they are really pushing hard in Pennsylvania to be able to get closer to be able to see these ballots like Florida. And they're pushing hard elsewhere to do the same thing in Nevada where they don't they have they're able to see Reno, but they're not able to see Las Vegas and most of the ballots from Las Vegas, where their big contention is saying dead people are voting and people out of town were getting ballots or if they're not in town, someone's filling them out. Here's what John the Turley says was the best argument. They could actually transfer to other places when it comes to mail-in ballots. Cut seven. This can get very intense because real challenges uh, require very close scrutiny of votes. We're not seeing that. And what I really want to see is this Nevada lawsuit, which does raise a systemic allegation uh, of ineligible voters, people who moved out of the state or people who are actually deceased. We haven't seen that evidence, and until we do, they're hunting elephants with derringers. We need something with a little more of a high caliber if you're going to take down an, an election result or uh, determination. So they're looking to see, you know, what's driving them nuts is they want to see that these ballots got in before Election Tuesday. 
and they're throwing out the envelopes. So how are you going to supposed to check the envelopes? So if you're supposed to be a monitor and you see the ballot, number one, do these people live there? Because they never did, they never did uh, non-demand ballots mailed to your house without asking. Never did that before. And if, you, if you're going to get it, is it the right person? Can you match the signature? They're not really doing much signature matching. But that's dancing around the edges unless it's tens of thousands because he trails by 11. And if he gets Pennsylvania and Georgia, uh, he's at 264 now if you count Arizona. If you get 20 from Pennsylvania, if you get 16 from Georgia, uh, they end up with over 300. So it's not going to matter about Nevada. Uh, and it's not going to matter that much about Arizona. It'll close the lead. North Carolina looks pretty secure in the president's wake. One thing is for certain. There was a message sent by the American people. Your new Green Deal, your socialist to talk, your defund the police is not resonating. Why else would Nancy Pelosi, expecting to reign supreme over the land with her arrogance uh, and insubordination of the president and this country's legal, in my view, political system, why would she get a rebuke in a two-and-a-half-hour conference call with her family that leaked out, with her family, excuse me, with her party, that talked about how the spanking they got and how they've been deaf to the American people, how the American people don't want socialism— don't want a new Green Deal. Don't want to give up our energy advantage. And, and we don't want to defund the cops. We don't look at cops as the bad guys. And we don't look at what vilified those women. And before I go to break, because I don't want to take too much time from Ben Dominich, uh, Dominich and he uh, and we talked about this. Abigail Spain Spanberger, who has the seat Eric Cantor used to hold. She used to be in the CIA. Here's a little of her rage against her own party machine. Cut 38. Yes, and blame the one with the biggest mouth, the squad. And it's Kevin McCarthy's more than happy to put them on the shelf and say, that's your Democratic Party. But it's what's better for the country? Abigail Spanberger. That's better for the country. Because we don't want to change everything. We like the country. We just want to make it better. We don't want to change it. I'm going to be back with uh, uh, Ben from the Federal Ben Dominic from the Federalist, and then we're going to talk to Kaylee McEnany from the White House, find out how they feel about this change of circumstances in Pennsylvania, uh, and then we'll take your calls one eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. Don't go anywhere. A radio show of the people for the people. You're with Brian Kilmeade. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so-called blue-collar work is something to be proud of. It is very rewarding to work that has impact on your friends, your neighbors, and your family's lives. Great successes can be had in the blue-collar career. There's no degree requirement for achieving comfort, peace, and freedom. While schools cut shop classes and funnel students into colleges, there are plenty of options for hard workers who are ready to take advantage of open positions. Many young people today assume that college is the only way to achieve success in life. That is not true. Let me introduce you to Ken Rusk. Ken spent his younger years digging ditches and working in construction. He never went to college. Instead, he made goals, planned, and worked hard for 30 years. Now Ken is a successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses and revenue streams. 
In his national best-selling book, Blue Collar Cash, Ken shares his insights from over 30 years of working in blue-collar trades as an entrepreneur, mentor, and life coach. Now he's created a guide made specifically for you and your unique situation. This guide will give you or someone you love the tools you need to start designing the life of their dreams. You can achieve your dreams regardless of your educational background or your past. Go to KenRusk.com path to learn more. That's KenRusk.com path. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on The Brian Kilmeade Show. The strength of the integrity of this vote is really unparalleled. All these things are tracked. Our voting systems and our databases make sure that no voter can cast more than one vote. It literally has a hard stop, should anybody even try. So that was, I don't expect you to know her voice. Uh, But that is the attorney general of Pennsylvania saying that don't question the integrity of the voting system. Uh, The president does. So does some other people with the president's camp, uh, the Trump camp do. But in case you have not heard, as of 15 minutes ago, for the first time, Joe Biden moves ahead in Pennsylvania. He was trailing by as much as 700,000 votes on Election Day. Joining us now is Ben Dominich, uh, one of the smartest people in Washington, even when he's not there, publisher of The Federalist. Ben, your reaction to this change of events. Also, I should say that Joe Biden moved ahead in Georgia by 1,000 votes. Uh, Well, Brian, it's great to join you as always, and thank you for the compliment. Uh, I think that a lot of us who've been watching this, you know, could expect uh, that this was going to be the trend that was going to develop. And in part, it's going to develop because of the choices that have been made about the order of the count. Um, You know, there's obviously a a ton of military ballots outstanding in Georgia, for instance, uh, that I think ultimately will end up putting that state back in the president's column. But look, this is a very close election. To to the point about fraud, I just want to people's uh, give people a little perspective on this because I've covered this before in previous elections. Uh, fraud tends to be a lot more mundane than you might think. It really is the sort of situation where a counter goes home at night and there are 20,000 ballots waiting to be counted the next morning in a ballot box, and they come back the next morning and there are 10,000 ballots there. You know, it's not something where uh, people are engaging in kind of uh, uh, over the top chicanery. It's more just that certain things disappear and nobody knows who took them. And it takes uh, major events to kind of reveal this type of fraud, either, you know, uh, contested elections, recounts and the like uh, in Louisiana, where uh, I've you know covered a lot of elections before. Uh, it really took Katrina to break the machine that existed there. Uh, and suddenly, you know, after Katrina, a lot of statewide Republicans had their prospects increase. And, you know, <laughs> I think a lot of people understood what really happened there. So, look, in this situation, we deserve to know uh, answers to a lot of questions about what's going on. I think Americans need to be able to be confident in the result uh, and not just believe, uh, as I think a lot of people do now, that it was one that was uh, helped along by Democrat machines uh, in a lot of key areas. John Daniel Davidson writes in Your Federalist, uh, yes, Democrats are trying to steal the election of Michigan, Wisconsin and Pennsylvania. And he sees some problems with these votes, these margins and these ballots. Uh, What could you tell me about that? Well, I just think that there's going to be a lot of continued questions about this, particularly given the margins in certain areas and and the vote splits that supposedly happen. I think a lot of people 
just you know naturally you know intelligent consumers of politics look at situations where republicans uh, you know prevailed overwhelmingly in in local elections in congressional elections overperforming uh, in the in the house races overperforming in the senate races overperforming in state legislature races uh, which are critical, obviously. Democrats had thought they were going to sweep those and, and uh, add a bunch to their column. But heading into a redistricting year, uh, it looks like they have not flipped a single legislative uh, situation uh, in terms of, of the makeup of, of Houses and Senate. In fact, the reverse, Republicans prevailed. And they have a lot of skepticism that that could have happened in a situation where uh, the president wouldn't be reelected. Look, Brian, you and I know that this is going to be a real test of the American trust in our institutions. We're at really low trust anyway, in a bipartisan fashion for the institutions that we have as Americans. And I think going into a process like this, coming out of an election like this, it's been as hard fought as it has. There's going to be a lot of people with a lot of questions going forward. Now, the, I expect that today and in the next 24 to 48 hours, we're going to see a lot of media institutions call this race for Joe Biden. Uh, I don't know that there's going to be a lot of faith in that on the part of Republican supporters of the president. Uh, they're going to want to see more proof and see more evidence uh, that this was not uh, right. you know, a series of, of counts uh, that where they leaned in one direction. Yeah. So in Michigan, you, uh, your reporter writes, Biden somehow got 138,339 votes and Trump got none, zero. Uh, and they came in, these came in, you know, after uh, the voting Tuesday. And he has other examples, uh, too, uh, in this story. And you have uh, also people tweeting from the Federalists out there. Do you think this should be looked into or do you feel as though this is dancing on the edges and wouldn't have affected the vote either way? Because in states this close, I think that this, if I'm Trump, this is getting under my skin. Yeah. No, I absolutely think we should look into these various situations. Sometimes there's legitimate excuses for them in, in the sense that a bureaucrat can fat finger a number and add a zero to it. You know, you can you can have people who uh, just screw up and, and not you know out of any kind of, of Ill intention. But again, when when things get this close in this many states, I think that we deserve to have the answers. And, you know, one of the things that we should think about, I think, in this moment is what happened back in 1960. When Richard Nixon, obviously with a mind on his political future, you know, decided not to contest an election that historians would pretty much agree was stolen for John F. Kennedy um, and stolen in a number of pretty obvious ways. That, I think, was a mistake at the time. People regretted it at the time. I don't think the president's going to make that mistake. I think he's going to continue to contest this because why not? But at the same time, you know, I think Republicans are looking at the situation and I think they're pretty happy with the result of a lot of what they've seen, which is to say, the, the Trump approach to politics has been vindicated. His his approach to a uh, a new type of Republican Party, more working class, more engaged on cultural issues, more economically populist, uh, is something that has been vindicated and has led Republicans to have you know a huge increase uh, in their uh, in their legislative prowess. It's really the opposite of the Obama effect that we saw, where he came into office with you know a 60 vote majority in the Senate and just saw it completely crushed over the course of, of his tenure because of the unpopularity of his policies. You know, Donald Trump isn't going away. And whatever happens, I think, in the next week, uh, as these legal disputes are adjudicated, uh, he's going to be around. He's going to be a critic. And if he ends up not being the president at the end of the day, I think we're still going to see him be an incredible political force because of what he's been able to build. I agree, Ben, I totally agree with you because of the president's policies on trade and things, the blue collar uh, people 
uh, related to him. Uh, and it's not just white people. In fact, he lost more of the white vote this time than last time, but he has the Hispanic mm-hmm. vote, more Hispanic vote, and, uh, and more of the black vote. Real quick, how do you feel? I know you're in a, t- a tough situation, but the McCain family, who you married into, came out in Arizona and went for Biden. And it looks like Arizona is probably going to go for Biden first time ever for a, for a Democrat. How do you feel about that? Well, you know, I mean, everyone has has tension sometimes with their in-laws, Brian. I think you know that. <laughs> um, but it's one of these situations where I think, you know, the, the fact that the president certainly, you know, leaned into his confrontational attitude toward uh, Senator McCain and the, and the family. Didn't uh, help. I don't think it helped, did him any favors in, uh, in Arizona. And if it ends up being a very narrow result, which I expect it to be one way or the other, um, you know, I think that that has to, you know, probably factored in some people's decisions. Right. One of the things, though, that I think we do need to keep in mind is that uh, people right. were voting here. Absolutely. Very- Thanks, Ben. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of The Story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. I think uh, black Americans are getting a little bit tired of delivering huge votes for the Democrats and seeing minimal uh, return in terms of economic wealth, closing the wealth gap, uh, job uh, creation, job opportunities. And uh, Joe Biden was not an inspiring candidate for uh, many black Americans. And uh, some of them stayed home. Some of them voted for Trump. Bob, do you think that four more years of Donald Trump is a good thing for the black community? I'll put it this way. Uh, Based on if you take the past four years, the answer would be yes. That is Bob Johnson, self-made success story, became a billionaire, founder of BET, among other business ventures. And as an African-American, firmly, he doesn't come out and say, Donald Trump's my guy, but he points out everything that he likes about Donald Trump, and they've been in constant contact. And what the president's done is get more African-American votes than Romney and McCain by a lot, maybe doubled it. And what he's done is get the Hispanic vote, which is creeping up to George W. Bush 2000, uh, 2000 level. You're talking about around 40%, and it wouldn't have won Florida without it. So what the president done is brought the party. What the president's done is Wall Street has walked over to the Democrats. Hollywood's always been there, and now he's got the working class, too. What it did is it diversified the party to the point where the House is within striking distance. They could have up to 200 delegates in the House uh, trailing in single digits the dominance of the Democrats. And they are rebuking the policies of the squad and Nancy Pelosi. There might be new leadership there. That's the president's framework which Republicans ran on. And they said, well, he's destroying the party and it's time to break with the president they never broke with the president outside ben sass they didn't break with the party and the party's had tremendous success now an update on the senate it looks like because of georgia's rules you got to get to go over 50 percent in order to win outright or you're gonna have to have a run off it looks like senator purdue is just barely under 50 percent it looks like he'll have a january 5th runoff and it looks like uh it looks like with uh, with john ossoff on the other side, it looks like you're going to see uh, Kelly, um, um, Kel- 
Yeah, okay. It looks like you're going to see a runoff there where the Republicans expected to win both. Now, if you look at the Senate as it's made up, Alaska's going to go to the Republican column, give them 49-48. And then you expect Tillis, who's still got that lead in North Carolina, who are just taking their time certifying everything. makes no sense. It looks like they'll put him at 50. You just need one more if Joe Biden wins the election to get dominance in the Senate, which would— uh, save the country for the most part. Jo- joining me now, Kaylee McEnany, uh, who is prof- who's here now for the Trump campaign, Trump campaign senior advisor. Kaylee, welcome back. Hey, Brian. Thanks for having me. Good to Ka- join you. Kaylee, you've seen a lot of stormy times in the White House. Can you describe how it feels inside 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue today? Yeah, you know, I, I think we're all just anticipating the results and watching uh, the president is, is very calm and taking in the news as it comes um, and is resolute um, and, and looking at the votes and making sure that, as he's noted, that legal votes are counted, illegal votes are not. He wants a fair count, and uh, that's where we're at at the moment. Yeah, we looks like Pennsylvania has gone to Biden for now. 5,596. Georgia also, since the last time I've spoke to a campaign official like you, it's now 1,097 in Biden's column as of now. Keep in mind, there are 9,000 military votes that have not been counted yet. And for the most part, the president's known and most agree he's got the balance of popularity when it comes to the military. That matters, right? Absolutely. I have no doubt about that, that those military votes will make up the gap. As you noted, about 8,000 of them outstanding, uh, close to 9,000. So I do think we win in the state of Georgia. And I think the the story will be that it is the military uh, that had the decision in the end that put the president over the top. Arizona, uh, too, is looking good. But we'll see. It's a rapidly changing situation, as you well know. Yeah, you saw it off a lot. Uh, It's down to 47,000. It was hundreds of thousand. And I understand, according to uh, Trump officials, I talked to this morning, 325,000 votes left to count. 225,000 are in uh, uh, Manicopa County, Maricopa County, and that is significant too. So he went from 96,000 down to 46,000 down. So this is going to, if the Arizona is going to be one, it'll be about about 1,000 votes, and you guys are still projecting that. North Carolina, I guess they're taking their time. You're up 76,000. Now in Nevada, what is, I know you're not a, a lawyer, Kaylee, but what is the chief legal complaint in Nevada, and where is that at? Yeah, so uh, they have filed suit uh, because there are about 10,000 um, voters estimated uh, that are from out of state that might have been in Nevada at one point but no longer live there. And it's those ballots that are being targeted and scrutinized. And, and we believe that you should be a, a citizen of Nevada if you're going to cast your vote there. Um, so that's pending litigation. We'll see how it turns out. But that certainly could make a difference in a race where it's about 11,000 uh, difference at the moment. Well, uh, let's look at this. Yesterday, here's uh, the president. He came out, and here's a little of his remarks. Cut to. I challenge Joe and every Democrat to clarify that they only want legal votes because they talk about votes, and I think they should use the word legal, legal votes. We want every legal vote counted, and I want every legal vote counted. We want openness and transparency, no secret count rooms, no mystery ballots, no illegal votes being cast after Election Day. Is it the president's hope there's no uh, fraud or chicanery going on, or is that his belief? Well, he looks at some of the things we've all seen, uh, the individual in Detroit who was putting up 
um, papers. This was Matt Finn's reporting at Fox to shield the room where spoiled ballots are uh, looked through and decided uh, whether they should be counted or not. Um, we've seen situations like in Detroit, there were, I believe it was about 50 ballots where um, they had to, they needed to have a, a witness address um, on there and it wasn't on there and you had a poll worker filling it in. Um, so we have multiple examples of things like this going on across the country. And all we're asking for is transparency. We just want to be able to watch what's going on to make sure that the count happens accurately. We know there's a history of voting fraud in places like Philadelphia. And all we are asking for is to merely be able to shed light on the process, be transparent. And it's really quite befuddling uh, that we we got access to that in Philadelphia. We got, we got uh, the ability to stand up close and accord victory. And then you have folks who are challenging uh, that this shouldn't be a transparent process is really telling. Uh, very interesting. I just want you to hear, did you see the media reaction to the president's remarks yesterday? I did. They were apoplectic. Um, I thought the president did a great job. I, again, all he is calling for is transparency uh, and for the vote to be counted accurately. But the media um, went berserk, as we fully expected them to do. It's, um, and interestingly, they were trying to sneak in the room where the president was after he gave his remarks. I had to ask them to leave. Um, they're just really at, at a next level uh, posture at the, at the moment. Here's a little of CNN's Jake Tapper. Remember, he's a newsman. So the diabolical Democrats and big money, big media and big tech Mm -hmm. conspired. And we all got together and we decided what we're going to do is we're going to help every Republican win elections across the country except for Donald Trump. Does that make sense to anybody except for the most fevered brain? So he's mocking the president who brought up the facts Almost everything you could say that big tech has censored how many of the president's tweets even over the last 48 hours Uh, and as well as Facebook. And they have not done one from Joe Biden or a Democrat that we know of. So there is something there. But does uh, do you want to challenge Jake Tapper's assessment? Yeah, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to look around and see that exactly what the president said is true. The media has been against him from day one, writing all kinds of fake Russia stories, winning Pulitzers for them, only to be proven entirely wrong by the Mueller report. Uh, they have been after him uh, from the very beginning, ignoring the, the the scandal in the Obama administration, the spy on Trump's campaign, ignoring the Hunter Biden email scandal, which good for Fox for covering. But I would routinely go back in the press cabin and ask the reporters why they won't cover it, and they would just stare at me blankly, refusing to cover it or even acknowledge it. You have big tech censoring the president dozens and dozens of times, and as you know, never Joe Biden and never even the Ayatollah Khomeini who shouts death to Israel from his Twitter account. They have always been out uh, to get this president. It's true. With, with a brain or common sense can see it, acknowledge it, and knows it. So I want you to hear with Anderson Cooper, a newsman, right, for this guy, the same guy in 60 Minutes. Listen to his assessment. That is the president of the United States. That is the most powerful person in the world. And we see him like an obese turtle on his back, flailing in the hot sun, realizing his time is over. What's your reaction to that personal insult? Yeah, that's just it's, it's disappointing. It's rude. It's cruel. Um, and it is someone who who just clearly has so much hate in their heart for this president. And you know what? It, it's not even just this president. It's this movement. Um, the president always says, "You attack me, it's one thing. You attack my supporters, and it's something else." And and we've seen what people have said about the Trump movement that we're smelly people who go to Walmart is what Peter Strzok said about us that we're deplorable, that we're irredeemable. Joe Biden's called us chumps. 
um, and all other sorts of words. Um, but, you know, that's just the elitism that we're up against. But the people prevailed in 2016. We're hopeful that the, the American people uh, will prevail in 2020 by electing President Trump. But the people's movement continues. And, and we recognize that elitism and we reject it where we see it. Kelly McEnany with us uh, in our function as Trump uh, campaign senior advisor. Kaylee, what's the president's plans for today? So the president will be watching the results come in. Uh, We'll see. It hasn't been decided whether he will speak publicly, but um, he'll decide that later on. But in the moment, um, I I assume he'll be going down to the Oval in short order, and uh, we'll be monitoring the results um, and talking with his campaign and his attorneys and others. Does the president express to you his feeling about choking up on the House deficit and making such gains there, not losing a single seat? Has he expressed to you his feelings on it looks like the Senate will stay in Republican hands? He has. Um, he's really encouraged to see that. You know, I brought to him yesterday the story that was a national review, among other places, that uh, the president um, won more voters of color than any president since 1960. And he was really um, encouraged to see that, excited to see that, because, look, this president is responsible uh, for really winning those Republican seats, for elevating our ticket, for expanding the party in a way that no president has done since 1960. And he has a very proud legacy of making the the Republican Party, the party of the American worker uh, and the everyday American citizen, black, Hispanic, white, whatever your ethnicity. All right. And lastly, this was a two and a half hour call amongst Democrats trying to make sense of losing all those seats in the House when they were supposed to gain in double digits. And now they say Speaker Pelosi's reign is in jeopardy. Here is former CIA woman uh, who now has and hasn't officially won it, Abigail Spanberger, who used to be with, the, as I mentioned, the CIA, took Eric Cantor's seat. Listen to her. Cut 37. We lost members who shouldn't have lost. The number one concern and thing that people brought to me in my that I barely rewind was defunding the police. And if we are classifying Tuesday as a success from a congressional standpoint, we will get torn apart in 2022. The country was saying the whole defund the police, the Green New Deal, uh, the whole socialism push did not resonate. Do you conclude the same thing? Absolutely. Uh, That is the story of this election, that uh, we gained seats, and it's because of that message. But where um, Spanberger is is wrong is this. There may be one voice willing to speak up in the Democrat Party, but she is far and above the minority. Uh, Bernie Sanders' views have taken over the party. His Medicare for All used to be embraced by one himself, and now the socialized medicine is embraced by two-thirds of the Senate. On any given issue, you can see this um, defunding ICE, getting rid of ICE, was a position that uh, was endorsed by the House of Representatives, either voting present or, um, you know, not being not being brave enough to stand up to that movement. And same with defund the police. This is the Democrat Party of today, and we'll see that. And I do agree with their assessment that 2022 will not be good for them. Well, uh, Kaylee, OK, thanks so much. Appreciate it. So the president continue to fight it out. Is there a scenario where the president does concede? Look, the president's watching the votes come in. It's a hypothetical at this point, um, and, and we're really just watching them come in, and we will take it moment by moment, vote by vote, um, and see what the American people had to say. All right, Kaylee, go get them. Thanks. Thank you so much, Brian. You got it. one 408 We're going to come back. The, the lines are jammed, and I'm going to try to get to as many calls as possible. We're covering the breaking news. It looks like Arizona, the deficit's all the way down to 47,000. In Georgia, the Biden has a lead by 1,097. In Nevada, 11,438 plus. That's less than 1%. And Joe Biden just moved ahead for the first time in Pennsylvania by 5,500. But uh, there are... 
Uh, military ballots that are going to play a role in this, especially in Georgia. So don't move. Breaking news all here. Brian Kilmeade Show. Newsmakers and newsbreakers. Hear it first, only on the Brian Kilmeade Show. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. This was also the year of the Republican woman. More Republican women were elected to Congress than ever before. That's a great achievement. I won the largest share of non-white voters of any Republican in 60 years, including historic numbers of Latino, African-American, Asian-American, and Native American voters, uh, the largest ever in our history. President yesterday making remarks in a speech uh, uh, talking about how he's still hanging in there and he still wants to find the rest of the vote uh, and see see how this thing plays out. He's still winning in North Carolina, but he's trailing in Georgia, uh, barely Arizona, but coming up and Pennsylvania for the first time. So let's go out to Jerry listening in Jacksonville on WOKV. Hey, Jerry. Hey, Brian. Love your show, man. Uh, Thanks. As a Democrat, I love and I 1,000% agree with Spanberger. Um, we don't want free stuff, Brian. And as you can see, black folks came out in numbers for Joe Biden in the primary because they don't want free stuff. We just want equal opportunity to make a living. Um, and, I, you know, if Biden wins, great. I just want the country to come together. I think that we need to heal, and I think that Joe Biden is so happy that um, – you know, that faction of our crazy left-wing party is not going to have control over him. And I think that him and Mitch McConnell can get things done. They've done it before, and um, I believe they can do it again. Um, well, Jerry, just to stop you there, I want to get another call in. But good points. I would say this. The problem is his running mate is of the like, that like mind. But she's, let's see if she understands the lay of the land, if that, that in fact, is the takeaway from this election. But Mitch McConnell's got to get majority leader first. You can't take anything for granted. It looks like he's going to have to battle out in a runoff election in January. But I hear you. Tony listening on WDBO in Orlando. Tony. Hi, Brian. Thanks for taking my call. No problem. Hey, Brian, I want to know, where are all the other Republicans that were on the ballot on Tuesday complaining about voter fraud? It seems like it's only President Trump. It is. Well, I got to see it. I mean, I, we haven't, don't have proof of it yet. We, there's things that bother everybody. We want to find out where these votes came from. But they have explanations right now. And so you don't want to just say voter fraud because the, everything changed. Uh, because everything changed suddenly. You were up 600 and then you're down. I'd be outraged. If that was me putting my heart into this thing, all of a sudden I'm losing because of the unprecedented mail-in voting, which you were distrustful from to begin with. But you just need proof of it, Tony. So you can't just say there's voter fraud because the follow-up question is where. John, also listening on WDBO. Hey, John. Hey, Brian. Good morning. Uh, I agree with uh, the last guy. And uh, like I was telling your screener, I feel that uh, the last four years we've had all of us, whether you're Republican or Democrat, we've had a front row seat to watching nothing but lies and deceit proven over and over again that that, uh, Donald Trump 
has been innocent of all this crap that they that they accuse him of. Why should this be any different? Uh, you know, the, the Democrats said that uh, that that we were going to see Trump probably do well that night, and then we're going to see his lead diminish. They've had a plan, and I just want to just add my voice to millions of others, just saying, President Trump. Just hang in there and you fight this all the way to the Supreme Court if they've got to count every single vote. Right. He just has to have proof. All we say is proof. Don't just say it's bad or it's fraudulent. You've got to back it up. Get this and all your favorite Fox News podcasts ad-free on Apple Podcasts with Fox News Podcasts Plus. Just go to foxnewspodcasts.com for all the details. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everybody. Brian Kilmeade. Welcome to the latest edition of the Brian Kilmeade Show. Heard from New York City, heard around the country, and hopefully around the world. Geraldo Rivera is standing by for the latest on this ongoing election drama. John, you at the bottom of the hour on the merits of the president's uh, team's lawsuits from Nevada to uh, Arizona to Pennsylvania and Georgia. We do have some other numbers to go over now. Uh, if you're just tuning into us or taking just this hour beginning now, uh, Pennsylvania is now in uh, Joe Biden's increased his lead in Pennsylvania. It's now at 6,826. Hard to believe this was once a 600,000 plus lead for the president. That was on Election Day. North Carolina, it's still the president for 76,000. Nevada, uh, the president trails by 11,438. Very much in dispute. Georgia, the, Joe Biden has his lead. It's a slight lead, just 1,097, but 9,000. Uh, military ballots have yet to be counted, and that could change everything. In Arizona, the president is trailing now by 47,000, down from over 120,000 a couple of days ago, and they think they're going to make even more gains. So before we get to Geraldo, we'll give you the latest news. The Vox has declared, V-O-X, Vox has declared Joe Biden president-elect. We're not doing that. Uh, so let's go to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. Win, lose, or draw. Donald Trump should be known for this. Black votes, 12%. Let's go to Hispanics. 32% last night, Hispanic vote for Donald Trump. Donald Trump has expanded the party in numerous ways. And for all these people to say racist, racist, they're wrong, wrong. They are because no one bought it. Uh, What went wrong? And how did Trump and the GOP become the blue-collar party with the new appeal to minorities and an emerging class of women lawmakers? We'll discuss. Number two. One word separates the positions of Joe Biden and Donald Trump on tabulating election results. Legal. The Biden camp says count every vote. The Trump camp says count every legal vote, and they're battling for that in multiple states. Uh, Yeah, there you go, Rick Leventhal, legally fighting back as the president's lawyers up. What are the complaints and what are the chances of judicial success? We're going to look at the states where doubt reigns. Number one. It's very close in Pennsylvania, right? There's no question. And so that means it's going to take longer to actually see who the winner is. There's several hundred thousand ballots remaining to be counted. The overwhelming majority of ballots will be counted by Friday. Uh, That is the... Pennsylvania Secretary of State, how much longer will it take to pick a president as five states slowly count their votes and Trump lashes out as he watches his lead dwindle in Georgia, Pennsylvania and grow, actually, the deficit shrink in Arizona. Let's bring in Geraldo Rivera. Geraldo, we're looking at lawsuits and Jonathan Turley tells us the one with the most promise for the president is Nevada. But if Joe Biden holds Pennsylvania and Georgia, it's not going to matter much. I think Vox is right. 
Brian, as uh, painful as it is for me to say that, I wanted Trump to win, obviously. Uh, I am very disappointed, but it seems as if uh, in a squeaker he has, uh, he has lost. I, I think that uh, when the Secret Service last night around midnight declared uh, you know, uh, Biden to be presidential-level security, they moved in to protect him and uh, Kamala as if they were the president and vice president-elect. I think it's all over with the shouting. There'll be plenty of shouting, plenty of lawsuits. But as I said, uh, I try to make clear uh, this morning on Fox and Friends, without a categoric uh, kind of reason, like if they say all mail-in ballots are unconstitutional or, or illegal, uh, with that, that kind of a systemic problem, something that has huge chunks of voters involved, I don't think that any of the litigation or all the litigation in the world is going to change the, uh, the bitter result. We're a very divided nation. It's a 50-50 vote. Uh, uh, he almost did it. If he had another week, he would have done it. Biden hid in his bunker, and, uh, uh, you know, he emerges victorious, uh, I think, uh, Brian. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. I'm not willing to do that. If the president's going to be uh, going through, uh, running through the tape, I think we should uh, wait for him to run through the tape or concede it or have the official uh, votes go out and be sanctioned. For example, if you told me that there are 9,000 military votes and I'm trailing by 1,000, if I'm Trump, I'm thinking I'm winning that state. We'll see if Georgia accelerates it all. In North Carolina, not many people are challenging that, but North Carolina taking its time with tallies. Uh, and then, I, as I mentioned, almost 7,000 deficit in Pennsylvania, uh, where the president seemed pretty secure. So when it comes to the legal challenges, you're the lawyer. But Jonathan Turley says the thing about the mail-in vote is with this just an opportunity for inaccuracy. I wouldn't even say fraud, inaccuracy. They decide on a dime in June, I'm going to mail everybody out a ballot. I don't want to have anyone go into the polls. Really? Same thing in New Jersey. And when they do this thing, unsolicited ballots to your house, and I got one. I chose to show up in person. Then it creates a bit of confusion. Here's Jonathan Turley, cut seven. This can get very intense because real challenges uh, require very close scrutiny of votes. We're not seeing that. And what I really want to see is this Nevada lawsuit, which does raise a systemic allegation uh, of ineligible voters, people who moved out of the state or people who are actually deceased. We haven't seen that evidence, and until we do, they're hunting elephants with derringers. We need something with a little more of a high caliber if you're going to take down an, an election result or uh, determination. So it's not there yet. He hasn't seen enough yet. But if that would be the type of thing that could ripple to other states if it, fa- it was found about the mail-in voting. But I, I, you know, we're all reasonable people. I'm a Republican. I want Donald Trump to win. When I look at the decision uh, to send ballots to every eligible voter in the midst of a pandemic and, uh, you know, an epidemic, uh, something that's insidious, it's everywhere. I mean, we have record levels uh, the last several days here in Ohio. Uh, I, I don't see an appellate court saying that that decision, however offensive it may be to me or you, uh, is unconstitutional or illegal. I don't know what basis you would use. Now, is there uh, a, a greater opportunity for fraud? Uh, of course there is. Uh, but, uh, you know, are you suggesting that uh, thousands of uh, Nevadans uh, uh, were improperly voting two times? Uh, you know, it seems improbable to me. I, I think that yeah. uh, the problem is this. The problem is that if we give Republicans, pro-Trump voters, 
false optimism, uh, then we're as guilty as the pollsters who gave them a false pessimism leading up to the election. I think when you look at the, at the outstanding votes at a, at a certain point, now I, I'll give you Georgia. Take Georgia with the 11,000 military. Take Nevada if that's the issue. Uh, you know, Trump wins North Carolina. Still, you got Arizona and Pennsylvania, and you can. Uh, Biden's going to get. Uh, uh, you know what is that? That's pretty uh, close to. That's eleven uh, uh, plus uh, twenty. That's thirty-one more electoral vote. I think that you know you got them. You got the Democrats. I think the Secret Service is right, Brian. Much as I, uh, I hate to say it. Well, we'll talk about that. Have you had a chance to talk to the president since election day? I have not. I, 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 but my problem is I didn't know. I'm sure he'll pick up the phone when I call. I, I just don't know exactly what to say. Do I console him? Uh, do I, I say how disappointed I am? Uh, uh, he's going to be all fired up uh, with the lawsuits and not giving up. And I know him so well. I think it's probably better if I let things cool down uh, uh, next couple of days. I, I think certainly by Monday there'll be more clarity. Uh, maybe that's the better time to call him, or maybe Sunday when uh, maybe things are a little quieter. I feel I feel so badly for him, and I, I don't want to be the person who says we'll get him, we'll undo this. This is bullshit. You know, I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, but no, I, uh, I hear you. So let me bring it to something else: the inappropriateness of other channels and the disrespect they're showing as they cut out of his speech. Now, I would have written it down, been in and out in 90 seconds, not taking any questions. He went and looked at polls and said and spoke like he always does. What was on his mind? And he opened himself for uh, people saying, well, where's the fraud? You just said there's fraud. Where's the proof? They cut out of the president of the United States speech in the middle of an election to just comment on the president. Listen to what Anderson Cooper said about the president and what, they, what his assessment was of the president's presser. President of the United States, that is the most powerful person in the world, and we see him like an obese turtle on his back flailing in the hot sun realizing his time is over. Well, you know, Brian, what I tweeted out when I saw, at least CNN covered it, MSNBC cut out of it. They wouldn't even let him speak. I tweeted out that I thought that that was grotesque, uh, uh, what was right, disrespect, grotesque disrespect for the tens of millions of people who voted for President Trump. Grotesque disrespect to not let him on on this night, uh, last night of all nights, when everything is is so hotly contested, uh, for them to not even let him speak to their viewers to make the judgment that what he was saying was uh, should not be heard by the people listening to the channel. That was the kind of institutional disrespect that I uh, use the word grotesque. And I'm, that's exactly what it was. They should be ashamed of themselves. Uh, to, to, for them, that's the arrogance of the left. It makes me want to puke. It is, it is so absolutely indefensible. Uh, and and I, I, I just – how can you do that? How can anyone who went to journalism school make the judgment that the people watching your channel can't listen or watch the president of the United States? I hear you. It's just a terrible, terrible thing. Well, I mean, look at this, the run-up to this. When the president spoke, we took it. When Joe Biden spoke, we took it. And people right, are calling this show and saying, why are we taking this ball? The president of the United States joins us on Election Day and said, why do you keep taking Biden's speeches? And I go, well, don't we do that? I mean, I didn't. I said, Mr. President, we got to take both sides. We're on an election. We're a news channel. But, you know, I also know CNN didn't. 
They weren't taking the president's stump speeches. They weren't even dipping into it. I think that CNN and MSNBC will now be struggling uh, to gain viewership. I think that what they did is so – talk about tabloid. Talk about – I mean, Anderson Cooper's uh, flamboyant uh, description of the president as a, as a turtle on his back flailing in the sun. I mean, what if anyone used that kind of metaphor uh, for Joe Biden or Kamala Harris? There would be such outrage. There would be such an uproar. It is, it is to me, so pathetic – uh, what uh, and I, and I like Anderson. I have over the years, but this is, I, I think, uh, this is emblematic, Brian, of exactly the headwind that President Trump faced, and it manifested itself in those phony polls that were such. It was voter suppression. Those polls. They wanted to discourage. Trump voters, I cannot believe that mathematically the Washington Post-ABC poll in Wisconsin mathematically showed Biden winning by 17 points. How could that be? How could a, I had marketing in college. How could random sampling give you a result that is off by 17 points in a, in a hotly contested state? And how many people, you know, Farmer Joe, working all day, I wanted to vote on Election Day. He looks up. He sees the president's down by 17 points. He says, oh, darn, I'll just, uh, you know, uh, hoe another row. Uh, you know, it's just. Uh, no, I hear you. Uh, and really, absolutely. Really and what it does is hurts donors, too. Donors go, I'm not going to write a check to, to the president of the United States for what, to work another month? Instead, he wins Ohio. He wins Florida. He wins Iowa. Uh, he was uh, he was within a whisker of Wisconsin, and it's so close they're going to get a recount on it. They're probably going to get a recount if they're within one percent in Georgia. I believe it's automatic. Uh, they built Georgia's it into their automatic. system. Yep. Yeah, is automatic. Yeah. So real quick, uh, Geraldo, you know what the big focus is going to be now? Senate. And you know what's going to happen? Dan Sullivan is winning by thirty. He's going to take Alaska. So there goes forty nine. And then Tillis looks like he's going to hold on and get him to fifty. They need fifty one. And both Senate seats are in Georgia. And imagine how much money is going to pour in there as they have the runoff for January fifth. Final thought. The Georgia, the people of Georgia are going to have so many elections between now and Inauguration Day, they're not going to go, what's going on? It's, uh, it's, it's the country is divided. The Grand Canyon is uh, splitting us uh, metamor- metaphorically. It's, uh, it, is, uh, it is, you know, we have to heal, and the Republican Party has to be remade as the working party. It has been. The working class party, the minority party, get the black entrepreneurs, get the hustling Latinos, get the Asians, let them all know they're Republicans. The party is welcoming them. Uh, you know, steal it from these elite, right. uh, effete uh, liberals who but, so polluted the discourse of this But country. don't pay them off. Give them opportunity. They don't want a check. They want opportunity. They want That's it. Geraldo, thanks so much. Thanks for putting it in perspective. Okay, Brian. Thanks, man. You got it. Uh, listen, we're going to come back. I want to get you to talk. one 408 We're monitoring uh, five major states in contention. It is live. We're going to bring you the live adjustments as they take place. And we'll also go update you on the lawsuits and the merit behind them. You're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. Both sides, all opinions. It's Brian Kilmeade. Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. 
It's Brian Kilmeade. A bad cop, a bad apple, is bad for the entire police force. Uh, and that's what I'm trying to do with my collaborative, reinvent the criminal justice system now and policing. But we're not anti-public safety. And uh, the Republicans did that successfully. You know, the Democrats, they'll be havoc, like in New York City. Uh, they ran de Blasio's picture uh, all over the uh, state. Uh, they'll turn New York State into New York City, looting and crime and homelessness, uh, law and order. That's, that was their message, uh, and it resonated more than it should have. Let me explain something to Governor Cuomo. It's a lot to do with you. Yeah, he's a terrible mayor. And the friction you have with him instead of trying to get him straight only hurt everybody in New York. And I bring up New York. I know we're heard around the country, but it's important. He wrote a book on how he handled the pandemic. So he wrestled the state to the ground. He made it basically fiscally in term, uh, basically on life support and bragged about it, wrote a book about it. And our mayor's terrible, but he did nothing to help it. You're the governor. You could have come down, sided with the police and overcame him. You could have thrown him out if you wanted to. Number two, you, uh, the governor is just as, is every bit the reason why Republicans uh, got beat up in New York because of the oppressive way he did things, the way he hurt business uh, haphazardly and his attitude. And New Yorkers got 40, uh, Donald Trump got 43% of the vote here, and almost all of Long Island went red because what a a bad mayor he is and what a terrible uh, governor uh, Cuomo is. Brian, listen on WABC. Brian, am I right? Hey, Brian, great show so far. Thank you. Um, I just want to say a lot of people think that what makes America great is our jurisprudence, the presumption of innocence, you know, innocent until proven guilty. If we're going to just take the accusations of uh, sycophants and, you know, partisan hacks without any real evidence, just anecdotal, like, oh, I know a guy who knows a girl who says this, who says that. Uh, Not going to work. Not going to work. Not going to work. Nothing against the president fighting to the end. There's nothing wrong with that. But you can't just say I'm hearing about fraud and busted pipes. It has to be uh, enough to turn a state. It has to be intentional. And it's got to be more than anecdotal. I, I 100% agree. But I don't blame the president for fighting and make sure it's on the up and up. You know why? A couple of things happen. The, uh, the mail-in vote hit a level we never saw in our history. There's no proof they can handle it. And the fact that we have five states that still have not counted their ballots and have no promise of even getting done today shows that these states can't even handle it. So it's right for the president to push and prod. That's how we had success in life. But you can't throw out anecdotal information and say there's widespread fraud. It doesn't help the country. I'm with you on that. Uh, listen, when we come back, I'm going to go into the legal perspective a little bit with John Yu. We'll discuss this. He uh, wrote Defender-in-Chief. The president interviewed with him. He's also out in Berkeley, so he knows how the left think. John Yu, join us. He's also with the Bush administration. Uh, We have a lot to discuss. This thing is not over, and there's a lot to still review. New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Information you want, truth you demand. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. 
So we're waiting for that evidence to come forward. Is it possible? Of course it is. I'm not willing to rule it out. I, I, I find it odd that everyone is making judgments without actually seeing these filings. If they have evidence of thousands of people voting uh, improperly, that may be a systemic problem, not just in Nevada, but other states. Sure. I mean, we're, we're doing something that we haven't done before. We're talking about tens of millions of people voting in a system relying on records that are really sketchy in terms of addresses and identifications. Welcome back, everyone. I'm, I'm a little distracted. I apologize. A little pause there as I bring in John Yu, great legal mind, and I'll mute my television because Georgia's uh, Secretary of State was just speaking now. Gabriel Sterling, Georgia Voting Systems Implementer Manager, is speaking. Some very significant things just happened. About an hour ago, Georgia uh, went to Biden for the first time. He took a 1,400-point lead. Now it's down to 1,098 and they say there's going to be a recount. That's just the Georgia rules. And I believe that's for the Senate, too. If we could find that out, Pete, that would be great. Uh, this is where they also said, a 1,000 votes in a state like Georgia. This is unbelievable. Uh, Cherokee, hey, John Yu, you're here, right? Hi, Brian. So they just went over this. Cherokee County, 150 votes need to be ballots just got in. Cobb County, 75. Floyd County, 444. And Gwinnett, 3,500, I think. They said 3,500. They also announced that just about 9,000 military ballots have to be counted. This is not done, and this is significant. That's 16 electoral votes, right? Yeah, that's as you said, it's not finished. You still have to count all the remaining votes, all the uh, legal votes uh, that came in by uh, the deadlines. And as you said, any of those tranches of votes could swing it back and forth between uh, Biden and Trump. And then you're going to have, I think, inevitably uh, litigation to make sure that everybody got to watch how those votes were counted. And if I think if Trump can hold on to Georgia, then you move on to places like Arizona, Pennsylvania and Nevada. Look, we know it's definitely the, the board. You'd rather be Biden than Trump. No question about it. Uh, but right now, just as it plays out, they do a recount. And even if it's 200, 300, that's going to matter. You remember what happened in Florida where it was 500 and some, 550 votes that gave it to George Bush. So uh, Pennsylvania is interesting, too. So here's the difference. You have a, a Republican governor in Georgia. And know what the secretary of state says? I want everybody to see the ballots. And if you can't, please tell me. In Pennsylvania, they go, yeah, I don't really care what the court ruling said. Now, do I have any proof of fraud in Pennsylvania? No. But if I was confident, John, I would just like people to look over my shoulder because I'm not making much money. I'm trying to – this is almost donating to the red, white, and blue. This is almost uh, volunteering. So I'd just like to see that this is done correctly. But they're having some problems there. Out of the, the legal suits in Pennsylvania, number one, they won one to see, but it's not working out. Number two, they're looking at some of the mail-in voting. And the best you can, John, for the layman, which I am, explain to me what the Supreme Court decided not to do a couple of weeks ago and how it's playing out today. Hey, Brian, I'm glad you raised that lawsuit because the whole election can turn on that single lawsuit if Pennsylvania ends up being the state that makes a difference between Trump and Biden. And I remember I'm from Pennsylvania. I grew up in Philly. I'm a Philly boy. I'm not surprised my home state's having all these problems. It's always been kind of games played in Philadelphia with the vote. Now, the case in Pennsylvania is really important because a lot of people out there seem to think that the U.S. Supreme Court has said everything that's going on in Pennsylvania is okay. They actually haven't. Uh, what happened in Pennsylvania was this. The state legislature said all ballots to be counted have to be in on Election Day. 
It's a very sensible rule. Then the Pennsylvania Supreme Court, I think without any authority, said, no, we're changing that till today, three days later. Any ballots that come in by November 6th, Friday, can get counted. Okay, can I stop you there? Because people keep writing me about this. This is what the president's point is. He's saying count every ballot. He wants them legal. Now, if they're postmarked November 4th and I get them the 7th, I'm okay with that. Are you? No, I don't think that's a legal vote. I think, in fact, and this is a question that's pending at the U.S. Supreme Court, is could the state Supreme Court have come in and just changed the rules as they felt? Because I bet... In the end, if the state Supreme Court has way, November 6th isn't even going to be the final date. If more ballots keep coming in, people are going to say count every ballot, no matter if it's uh, legal or not. Let's do that. That's that's the argument you're hearing out there right now. But the problem is the Constitution gives the state legislature the sole power to set all the rules about an election. And this is just not me making this up. Four justices of the Supreme Court who have been demanding – that this case get accelerated and decided, taken up by the court, not just sitting in limbo and purgatory like it is now, but taken up and heard by the court, they've been saying, we think the Pennsylvania Supreme Court violated the Constitution and that only November 3rd ballots are the ones that are to be counted. It could lead to thousands of votes uh, switching or being discarded as being illegal. But I don't even think the they're they're almost discarding the whole post date anyway, aren't they? They're not even focusing on that. Yes, so that's the way I think the Supreme Court could come in. But that's that's the key issue is if you get in by November third, because that's the best way to make sure, right? Not to mess around the signatures about so at a minimum, uh, make sure that there's respect for a single election day, and just and that was always the rule before. And then any ballots that come in afterwards, no matter why aren't going to be counted postmarked or not, because that's an easy rule for people to administer. That's an easy rule for courts to watch. That's what uh, Justice Alito has been, uh, the leader of this in the Supreme Court. And again, the U.S. Supreme Court didn't reject this idea. They just didn't want to decide it before the election. They basically punted it to after the election. Well, now it's after the election, and the Supreme Court may need to come in and decide this if Pennsylvania becomes the determinative state. So let me ask you something, John. There's a practicality to your business. So there's, you're right, but they already built the road. That road is illegal, but it's already made because you're already driving on it. So we're going to leave it. So what if the Supreme Court says, yeah, you know what? The more I think of it, it doesn't get there by November 4th. It should not count. But they're all mixed together by now. So the envelope's in the garbage. So then what? So Justice Alito was really smart. <clears throat> Justice Alito was the one, the justice from there. He's the justice who kind of sits over Pennsylvania. And he actually was very clever about this. He asked that the state of Pennsylvania separate any ballot that comes in after November 3rd. Because he said, even if the Supreme Court can't decide before the election, if we can decide it after the election, we want all those ballots that came in after November 3rd to be kept separate so that if we, in fact, rule that you have to stick to November 3rd, then we can easily identify Good. and exclude those ballots. Are they doing that? They, they are supposed to be. It's a federal order. If the, if the officials in Pennsylvania don't do that, then they're violating federal law, and they're going to create real grounds, even more real grounds, for the Trump campaign uh, to sue them. But as I, as I understand it, they have so far, for the most part, tried to do that. 
So the way Jonathan Turley was telling me this morning, he's like, I'm not caught up in, in the looking over the shoulder. That's not going to make or break an election at this point. I mean, it's the game's right. on. This isn't June. So having said that, the stuff that matters is things like what we just talked about and what's happening in Nevada. And they are saying that a lot of people that don't live there were getting ballots, had been out for 30 days, and some dead people are voting, especially in the Las Vegas area. So that could be in the thousands. How do you go about pursuing that? <laughs> they must have moved them from Chicago to, yeah. to Nevada, all those dead voters, because they had too many of them in Illinois. <laughs> so, uh, but seriously, uh, this is what's hard. It's hard to back up allegations of you know, this poll worker, that poll worker cheating on a few ballots here, a few ballots here. What you need to have is proof. So you're, Nevada, you can do that because Nevada is just a simple matter of checking who's on the voting rolls against who voted, against who's a legal resident of the state of Nevada. That has a much better chance of going forward. The key question is, is it going to be enough to make up for uh, the deficit that the president's got in Nevada? Uh, the same thing as you're saying with Pennsylvania, it's harder to prove a vote here, a vote there. But the case kind of case we're talking about doesn't require you to have that kind of evidence. I think you're right. Brian, I really do. I think, you know, we can fight about having observers in the rooms and how many observers and how close all that's going to do. It's not I don't think it's going to make a major difference in the vote totals. The only thing it's going to do is going to deter any potential cheating by you know any rogue uh, election official or county vote counter. But I agree with you, Brian. I don't think that's going to make a big swing in the vote totals. Right. And next thing you know, Joe Biden's accepting the presidency. And thank you very much for – and all of a sudden, well, you won in court, but it doesn't even matter. Uh, but that's why this has got to stop. And now I'm not sure if you need Georgia, we're going to have to wait. If you need Georgia, you're going to have to wait uh, electorally because they're saying there's going to be a recount. So how can they possibly award it to anybody and have a recount? That's just not going to happen. Yes. Plus, as, as you mentioned – uh, the military overseas vote, which under federal law can come in up to seven days after Election Day. I, I, guess I think military votes traditionally, I think, given the past broken more Republican than Democrat. If there are 7,000 of those out there, that's well past uh, the margin that Joe Biden has right now, which is about 1,000. John, uh, you, we're talking to you now. In case you do not know, it looks like the, the Secretary of State says there will be a recount in Georgia. It is that close. And while he was talking, he said, I came out here and 200 more plus votes just went to Donald Trump. The deficit is now 1,098 in a state the size of Georgia. It is unbelievable how close this is. How close this is. And now uh, we're looking at what's happening in Arizona with Brian Kemp as governor. It turns out the Trump people getting cooperation on the ground, just transparency on the ground. And that race, which was now over 200,000 deficit, is down to 46,000 with 325,000 ballots starting today with two hours difference. They maybe started counting already. Uh, with starting today, they start counting again. This also could be pretty dramatic. And let me ask you, John, as we wait for this stuff to come in, the challenges with Nevada, the recount in Georgia, the hope in Arizona, who decides if Joe Biden is the president-elect? Who decides, okay, I've seen enough? Well, we, I think, look, in most elections, like the ones you and I saw when we were growing up, the elections weren't so close that we didn't even need to know any of these rules. <clears throat> we could just assume, oh, you won the national election, and it's over. And the networks would call it, basically. And right, the candidates would kind of live by that. But when you have close elections, like the ones we've been having ever since 2000, 
or even before, you could say it started in 92 with Clinton, who never won a majority vote in, in his two victories. Ever, when it's close, then these rules matter. That's why, unfortunately, I wish that we could pick people without having to get lawyers and litigation involved. But when it's this close, that's when you need them. And so I don't think we're going to have a really clear picture of it for a little while. And no one officially gets to really decide Who's the president? Because the New York Times, the, the New York Times says door. it's up to the networks. They say it's up to the networks. So they're saying, well, if CNN uh, decides no, no, and no. ABC says uh, we have, according to our math and our decision desk, it's President-elect Biden, and he accepts it, there's going to be pushback on that. We remember with uh, Bush v. Gore, the Supreme yeah. Court made a decision, and we knew. Then we stopped accounting. Yes. Uh, so I want to tell you, I, and I want to get opinion out of it. You can't just say fraud. It's not going to work, especially in your business, John. So Adam Laxalt, he's uh, the Trump uh, Nevada campaign co-chair and he used to be attorney general out there. This is what he said. Yeah, uh, cut 22. The Democrats have absolutely stacked the decks against us in this election. Uh, they changed this election inside 90 days. And as votes are being counted, and America thinks that with all these mail-in ballots, that you have people watching that counting going on, we are still not allowed to watch the signature matching. We are not allowed to challenge any of those signatures. So they switch us to this new system, and then they give us no right to ensure that only legal voters count. And so they dumped these at 3 a.m. They counted through the middle of the night, they're counting all day today, and we're still having to wait till tomorrow. And we are still, right this second, not in that door. And I warned about this, that if it came down yeah. to Nevada, we'd finally get people to pay attention to the fact that the Democrats didn't give us this right. And the president closed the gap seriously. He lost by two here. Romney and McCain got crushed. He lost by two here. He says, this is where I'm going to win it again, especially with this new attraction with the Hispanic uh, community. And they don't have a chance to do it. And now the only thing left, I understand, is Clark County, where Las Vegas is. Mm. Mm. That's tough, but <clears throat> it's so close. I, I mean, it could go. It could still go either way. I think. I think Arizona too, as you said, you're seeing, and as you saw in Florida, you saw the president doing extremely well with Hispanics, with minorities, uh, well over predictions. And I personally. You know, as, as a minority myself, I think it's a great sign for the future for the Republican Party. Uh, Trump was really the one who was really able to start making, right. uh, you know, start making inroads and yeah. starting to make minority minorities competitive between the two parties. Yeah, the and, one and they called that right yeah. now, in Nevada. Yeah, they were the one they called a racist every day. Uh, guess who wasn't buying it? Uh, the African-American community, the Hispanic community, and, and maybe the Asian community. Uh, John, you appreciate it. We'll continue to, to, to tap into you. I appreciate it. Thanks, Ryan. It's great to be with you. You got it. He's a professor of law at the University of California, Berkeley. When we come back, your turn. one 408 Don't move. Diving deep into today's top stories, it's Brian Kilmeade. Fox Nation presents podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. 
a Republican strategist who was working on behalf of the president said, look, if Trump has made a mistake in this, it was in denigrating mail-in voting. All those weeks went by when Democrats were banking votes every single day. People could mail them in. They could early vote at their convenience. Uh, and Trump was saying, we're going to vote in person. We're going to wait for this big, dramatic election day turnout, and there will be this red wave uh, that will swamp all that came before it. Meanwhile, Democrats already had so many tens of millions of votes in the bank. Uh, so I think in retrospect, uh, when this is all over, if he does lose, I think that's what the president will regret doing. Uh, that is Byron Hunt, uh, Byron York, no doubt about it. Byron Hunt used to be a linebacker for the Giants. Nancy Pelosi speaking right now and trying to pretend like she had a good uh, week in election week. She's congratulating Joe Biden for an election he hasn't won yet. Typical her. Billy, listen on WABC in New York. Hey, Billy. Good, good morning, Brian. How are you? Good. Brian, speak, I'm sick over the presidential thing with Trump, but let's talk about the possibility of the biggest election ever in the United States of America, unfortunately. January 3rd, the runoff in Georgia. What do you know about that? I've been reading a little bit about it, and it says that there's no mail-in ballots. They also said the same thing you said earlier in the program, that the Republicans do have an advantage. Why do they have an advantage? Because uh, they, they, they usually, the day of the yeah. vote, they usually... What happened, the sitting senator uh, and uh, Doug Collins split the vote. So they had 25 and 25, and then you had the leader, uh, who is uh, the Democrat, had more votes. But the top two are the ones that advanced to the finals, regardless of what happened. If somebody got over 50%, they're through. But since it's a jungle primary, they had about eight candidates. I think the highest was 30 percent. The two Republicans split 22 and 22. Doug Collins barely lost, I think, 25-22. So uh, it'll be a runoff with the Republican. You, and conceivably, with Doug Collins endorsing her, uh, Doug Collins will be the one uh, helping her get over the finish line. But it's going to be a lot of money flowing in there. On the other side, uh, Purdue has just under 50 percent, so there'll be a runoff. And I just found out there is no recount. There'll be a... For the president, there'll be a recount in Georgia, but not for the Senate seats. They're doing it in January. The whole balance of power in the Senate. The Democrats need both. It looks like the de- Republicans need just one. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. Shannon Bream is standing by, getting set to host some of her courage, uh, her coverage, as well as providing uh, the legal expertise and getting set for her show at 11 and beyond. Uh, we're also following the news that Nancy Pelosi just spoke and pretended that she had a good night as the gap closes among Republicans and Democrats in the House. She had a terrible election day. And she talks. Uh, in fact, this is what she a little of what she just said. She wants to focus on what she wants to focus on. Listen. While we prepare for the new Biden administration, we must also move swiftly for a new coronavirus relief bill. So can you do that? Uh, we want the Republicans to come back to the table. As if they left. Uh, she is. Uh, maybe she paid the price for that. Uh, that's what a lot of theory is. They, they had a chance to get some help to people before the election. And she thought it would help jo- uh, Donald Trump. So she didn't do it. Chris Dyerwell at the bottom of the hour will give you the latest news. So let's get to the big three. 
Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. Win, lose, or draw. Donald Trump should be known for this. Black votes, 12%. Let's go to Hispanics. 32% last night, Hispanic vote for Donald Trump. Donald Trump has expanded the party in numerous ways. And for all these people to say racist, racist, they're wrong, wrong. Yep. Uh, what went wrong with the polls and how did Trump and the GOP become the blue collar party with the new appeal to minorities and emerging class of women lawmakers? We'll discuss. Number two. One word separates the positions of Joe Biden and Donald Trump on tabulating election results. Legal. The Biden camp says count every vote. The Trump camp says count every legal vote and uh, vote. And they're battling for that in multiple states. And that is Rick Leventhal, of course, the legal fight as the president lawyers up. What are the complaints and what are the chances of judicial success? We're going to look at the states where doubt reigns. Number one. It's very close in Pennsylvania, right? There's no question. And so that means it's going to take longer to actually see who the winner is. There's several hundred thousand ballots remaining to be counted. The overwhelming majority of ballots will be counted by Friday. And by the way, in Pennsylvania, 6,830, excuse me, 6,830 votes separate the two with Biden out in front. Uh, We are going to, that is the secretary of state there. How much longer will it take to pick a president as five states slowly count their votes and Trump lashes out as he watches his lead dwindle in Georgia, Pennsylvania and the deficit decrease in Arizona. And with me right now is Shannon Bream, Fox News' chief legal analyst, uh, anchor of Fox News Night, which begins at 11 o'clock. Shannon? How are you? <laughs> I don't know what day it is, but if I'm talking to you, that means it's Friday. That's a good sign. That is a good sign, but never before. Usually we're kind of reflective, and we like to predict what's going to be coming up over the weekend, but now we can't afford to be because uh, so much is breaking with these live race boards right in front of us. Since the last time we have texted or spoke, the Joe Biden has moved ahead in Georgia just barely with 1,579 votes. But keep in mind, 9,000 military votes have yet to be counted. Mm-hmm. And he's now in front of Pennsylvania with 6,830. And if, our, if uh, Arizona stays in the win column for Biden, he would just need Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. It's a big prize. I mean, 20 electoral votes. And we've always thought since, you know, weeks and days leading into this election that it could be a critical state, not um, only in part because, you know, fracking and other big issues and the president and, uh, you know, Mr. Biden spending a lot of time there, the president having huge rallies there in the final days. Um, It's always been a huge prize, but there have been legal battles over what has happened there, too. And there's still a case pending before the U.S. Supreme Court. So we always knew Pennsylvania would be a key player in this whole thing. Here is uh, the president yesterday at his speech, Cut 24. As everyone now recognizes, media polling was election interference in the truest sense of that word by powerful special interests. These really phony polls, I have to call them phony polls, fake polls, were designed to keep our voters at home, create the illusion of momentum for Mr. Biden and diminish Republicans' ability to raise funds They were what's called suppression polls. Everyone knows that now. But that's not illegal. What he's trying to uh, work out in Nevada, in Arizona, and and Pennsylvania is to get at the root of what he said might be fraud. But there's no proof of fraud yet. Have you seen anything substantial? 
Well, I mean, you got this uh, letter and lawsuit over in Nevada that have gone out saying that they claim they have specifically over 3,000 people that they found who don't live in Nevada that either voted or got a ballot or asked for a ballot, something along those lines. So they're trying to pin, you know, concrete cases. They've got a hotline out there. Hey, if you've got a problem, yep. let us know if you saw fraud. Um, I've had people, and I'm sure you have too, feed me, hey, this person saw this at this poll, and I'm like, okay, well, they go on camera. Like, let's talk to them. Um, and I think that, you know, it's one thing to say, like, oh, there's shenanigans out there. It's another thing to say, hey, here are these people that are willing to sign under oath to swear to what they saw. And we do have people like that coming forward. And when you have questions about people who don't live in the state voting there or being sent a ballot or something along those lines, we have plenty of examples, whether it adds up to enough concrete evidence to get a sworn statement and get a document and go into court, you know, we'll have to see in the next few days. But you and I know anecdotally that's coming up, but you got to go another step for the legal process. Right. I just think the president would be better off just leaving the legal stuff to his legal team. He's got great lawyers and a lot of loyal people out there working these uh, embattled states. So I think that he'd be better off sticking to that and just staying out uh, maybe at one point just out of the way of the criticism for making general statements because we definitely understand his frustration. Can you imagine, Shannon, no matter what you do in life, let alone run for president, seeing yourself with a 600th vote lead and be helpless if that diminished because mail-in votes are coming in for the first, at, a, at a level and velocity that we've never seen in the history of American politics. And he's watching the states that he thought were in his column, like Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Georgia, just disappear. And the frustration mm-hmm. and was evident yesterday. Yeah, and for anybody involved with the Trump campaign, the White House president, this has got to be maddening because, especially on election night when you go to bed and you get up and hundreds of thousands of votes have flipped in the other direction – and very few of them have been reported for you and your candidate, you can see they're definitely going to feel like, is this thing slipping through our fingers? They're going to mount every legal challenge that they can. Uh, Will it be enough in the end? Uh, We'll have to see. But um, it's one thing to be able to make the allegations and file the lawsuits. Another thing to get rulings in your favor. And at this point, I mean, he really would have uh, have to have everything uh, fall to his favor. Um, And listen, anything can happen. Uh, And as long as you're still in the court system, the the controversy is still alive, meaning that there's a live legal dispute. Um, And it's only for him and his team to decide when they think, you know, time to forge ahead or, or time to say there's no possible path for us to win. And I think at this point, they still believe, at least some on his team, that there's a path. Yeah, and they do. In Arizona in particular, uh, there was people on the ground there, and they watched this deficit dwindle. Now it's just 43,779 votes as they look in Maricopa County. And that there's a belief there there's Republican votes there. It was on the I was texting with people on the ground yesterday for the Trump campaign, and they believe they're going to win in the end by 1,000 votes there. And people look at this, civilians like me, and they say, wait, North Carolina has been up 76,000 plus Mm -hmm. for about five days, and we're not going to call that. But we called Arizona, and all we're seeing is this deficit dwindle, and now it's 43,000 for Biden. So I guess they're looking at counties and looking at traditionally, are they red or blue? Mm -hmm. But what's traditional today? I know. I mean, this president has upended everything that we know about politics and how people vote. The funny thing is I was out walking the dog this morning, and in my neighborhood, uh, plenty of Biden-Harris signs, dump Trump, the whole thing. And I noticed that one of my neighbors has now put in a Trump-Pence sign. It wasn't out before the election. 
I mean, it's a bold move in my neighborhood to put that thing up ever. But I'm like, how funny that he's now put it out, um, <laughs> you know, three days after the election. He's like, now I'm going to take my protest public. So there are going to be people who feel like, listen, if this thing ultimately gets called and decided for Joe Biden, you're going to have half the country or maybe 34 or 30 or 40 percent who say, no, there were questions there. I don't believe it. Why were they blocking people from being able to see votes count? I mean, be transparent. I don't think that should be a partisan thing. You know, everybody should be able to see the vote yeah. and get in there and watch as provided by law. And I, I worry that there will be folks like my neighbor who have now bravely put out his sign um, who are going to feel like uh, if Joe Biden is the president, that they're going to have a tough time accepting it. So a couple of things are happening and taking place. Number one, when it comes to the House, control of the House, Nancy Pelosi cannot feel good about what she's looking at. She went into the day, the election day, with 232 Democrats, 197 Republicans. And in the end, right now, and it could get worse, she's got 208 seats to 193 for Republicans. And guys like Burgess Owens are on the cusp of victory. And she pretending as if things are going well. She's trying to downplay downplay some of the tension between them. But as we were talking uh, uh, on and off, when we talk to people about the future of the Democratic Party and they talk about the New Green Deal and they talk about socialism, that could have been their undoing. In fact, Abigail, uh, one of these uh, senators who took Eric Cantor's seat. Yes, she said this. Uh, Spamberger, she said this in a two-hour, they said an hour-and-a-half phone call. They didn't want to leak out, but she is outraged. She says, we did this to ourselves. Cut 37. We lost members who shouldn't have lost. The number one concern and thing that people brought to me in my that I barely rewind was defunding the police. And if we are classifying Tuesday as a success from a congressional standpoint, we will get torn apart in 2022. And Nancy Pelosi's leadership is going to be, uh, they're going to make a run at that. Hakeem Jeffries is one of the names. Cedric Richmond is another name. But you can't look at her leadership and say it's been effective. This is a repudiation on her as much as anyone. Yeah, and mostly because it wasn't expected. Um, They were supposed to, as you said, pick up seats. And the fact that Republicans have flipped seats uh, and are gaining and we have these outstanding races, it's got to be very frustrating for her. Uh, and for people like you heard, Congresswoman Spanberger, who almost lost her seat over it. Um, she hasn't won yet. I don't believe that's of, been certified. I don't. Yeah, I don't think anything's been certified on that yet, but it looks like she's going to pull it out. Um, but you've got these factions within the party that are going to have to decide which way they're going to go. You have on the cover of all the magazines, you've got Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, uh, Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib and Omar uh, Ilhan Omar. I mean, is the squad running the thing or is Nancy Pelosi running the thing? Because she has really tried to thread the needle to keep the party together, to keep people happy. Um, but we've heard from the squad the last couple of days saying, like, don't tell us how you think we should have done this or how we should have won. You guys aren't progressive enough. And here's our list for a if it becomes President Biden. Here's our list. These are the people we want on the cabinet. These are the things <laughs> that we want done uh, in policy. And I think she's going to have a really tough time, uh, especially as her numbers dwindle. Yeah, and lastly, just to tap into your legal mind for a second, uh, Jonathan Turley uh, believes that Nevada is the most interesting case. The other stuff of the observers might be right or wrong, but it's not going to affect the outcome. He believes Nevada, when it comes to the ballots, people getting ballots that don't live there and the dead people ballots could amount to something. He said, here he is, cut seven. 
This can get very intense because real challenges uh, require very close scrutiny of votes. We're not seeing that. And what I really want to see is this Nevada lawsuit, which does raise a systemic allegation uh, of ineligible voters, people who moved out of the state or people who are actually deceased. We haven't seen that evidence, and until we do, they're hunting elephants with derringers. We need something with a little more of a high caliber if you're going to take down an, an election result or uh, determination. So he's intrigued on that to see if you could prove it. It's going to be tough to prove. Mm-hmm. Well, and you, you know, we see these things on Twitter and online of people saying, I've got a deceased relative, here's me logging in to see, I see that they voted this year. So, I mean, if that is legit, those people will have to provide the evidence, swear it under oath, and be willing to go into court and testify about it. If you're putting it on social media, um, are you willing to sign your name to a piece of paper and go to court? Um, Because we see this anecdotally, um, and people can manufacture things on social media. I don't know if you've heard this, but if it's on Twitter, it does not mean it's true. Um, But it also doesn't mean it's false. So we'll see if people are willing to step up with those cases, and they amount to something. All right, uh, Shannon, I wore you out. I know you got to get ready. you got to save your energy for Hammer and McCallum and Brett Bear, and then you got your own show. So uh, thanks so much, Shannon. What did you say? Bye. I said I'll see you at 11. Yes, I will. And I will see you. You won't see me, but it's okay. Shannon okay. Breen, okay, thanks bye. so much. one 408 I see every line is jammed. I'll try to get to as many as you can. So we'll get right to the point and get right to your topic, and we're moving. Brian Kilmeade Show. Expanding your knowledge base, it's Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him, you love him, you want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. A talk show that's real. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. The strength of the integrity of this vote is really unparalleled. All these things are tracked. Our voting systems and our databases make sure that no voter can cast more than one vote. It literally has a hard stop, should anybody even try. Uh, That is the Secretary of State for Pennsylvania. She feels good about it. Uh, But a lot of Republicans are a little uh, little freaked out because you're not allowing everyone to look over the shoulder like they're allowed to, these observers. Mike, listening on KSEV in Houston. Mike. Yeah, uh, I've got three options to resolve all this uncertainty. Okay. The first option is already in the courts. You need to disallow the uh, electoral votes of those states that computed their ballots not in accordance with the state legislature. So use the remaining ballots that are actually computed by the other states to determine the president of the United States. Two, you can because you are not allowed to observe the balloting, uh, counting, then they Trump or the state should demand an independent audit of the final verified election totals. Okay, they can quote one, quantify the amount of fraud easily. It's done every day by public accounting firms in court. If the court wants to prove there's fraud or two, you can uh, verify the errors in the total count. And then three, because of these close calls in these three or four states, they they just simply need to say it's too close to call 
and we need a second election to verify. Gotcha. So, That's good. good. Those are good ideas, Mike. Terry, WSKY in Lake City, Florida. Terry. Hey, Brian. Doing great as usual. Love your show. Thank you. Um, I heard you earlier talking about uh, the ballots need to be separated, but what nobody's answering is, you know, they can separate those ballots that were received after November 4th, but are they going to keep the envelopes with those ballots that have the date on there to prove that they were received on November 3rd and not November 4th, 5th, 6th, and 7th? That would be key, but if they're in that pile, I assume they came after November 3rd. Uh, so that I assume, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming competency. That would be key, Terry. Do we get rid of those uh, envelopes, the ones that come in after if the Supreme Court says it's not constitutional? Thanks. John, WSBA, York, Pennsylvania. John. Hey, Brian. It's an honor to speak to you. Thank you. I- I'm a simple man, so I have a simple question. The uh, the Secretary of State of PA keeps saying that, and you keep playing the clip, that it takes longer to, to uh, the count of vote because of the close race. My question is, is, why does it take longer for you to count my vote, whether I voted one way or the other? If it's a landslide or a close, why does it take that much longer for you to look at my ballot? I'm not saying I buy it, but this is what they're saying. They could not get permission some of these state legislatures to open them up early and at least have them ready to go like they did in Florida. Number two is they keep taking their nights off. Why haven't they prepared for staff to work around the clock? And number three, uh, they never had this volume before, this volume of mail-in votes, this volume of votes specifically. So that is pretty much the issue, John. You're saying as far as that is concerned, but she said that it's taking a long time because it's a very close race. Yeah, that's a good point. What the heck does that have to do with it, correct? You're 100% right. You were listening better than I was. That's my bad. Yeah, I'm, I'm wondering what's going on in Pennsylvania, but you need exact examples, examples. And then you have litigation, and then you have a case. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. I'm going to talk to Chris Starwell from the Decision Desk and then go back to your calls and ride the breaking news. It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. The presidency literally hangs in the balance. The idea in this country, the idea in America, that we would somehow reduce or limit the ability to have uh, basic insurance that a ballot is a legal ballot, that a ballot is an acceptable ballot, that the person who voted, that we took minimal steps to make sure that there was a signature match, for instance. Those types of, of guarantees need to be in the process. Uh, that is match slap and i'll work on the reverb there there we go um looking at all my monitors uh, that was match slap he's out in vegas rep- representing the president's interest in nevada and of course he played a key role in his campaign just to give you an idea 
of some of the numbers. Arizona remains plus 43,000, substantially down from a few days ago. And I know David Bossie and his team are on the ground there checking out Maricopa County, where about 220,000 votes are still available, 320,000 still out there as I started this show. The president's increased his lead in North Carolina. It's up to 76,000, but he's now trailing in Pennsylvania by 9,033 and Georgia by 1587. Joining us now to discuss this is Chris Starwell, politics editor and uh, part of the uh, the election team. Chris, welcome. Man, what's happening? So I think we've got new I think we've got new Arizona numbers for you. Though. Okay. I think you can update and I want to get I want to get it just right, but uh so far things are cooking up uh really well for Joe Biden right now in this dump that's coming out of Arizona. So that I I think I think our competitors uh, who were scared to call Arizona when we did are going to be kicking themselves pretty soon. Why? What was the rush? There was no rush. It was just right. The it's not. You know, these are not matters of opinion. These are just when it, when it's right, it's right. We are like Ernest and Julio Gallo. We will serve uh, no call before it's time. But once it's time, it's time. Yeah, uh, North Carolina is up seventy six thousand seven hundred one. You haven't called that. Well, they have six percent of their vote is still out, and they haven't counted a, a, a drop, a single. Uh, they they have not given us a drop to drink for a day. They basically have been. I think what North Carolina wants to do is do it all in one uh, in one swell foop. Uh, so there's too much vote out to call. In North Carolina, because it certainly could be that that Biden would overtake Trump there. So we are at the mercy of the elections officials there, and they have just been holding out on us so bad. But what about the complaints from the Trump team that it hurt the whole perception of Arizona, that they had a sense that a lot of Republican districts weren't reporting yet? Well, but the voting was done. So there was didn't matter. I mean, I'm sure it hurt a lot of people's feelings to lose Arizona because it's such it has been such a Republican state. But when the voting's done, the voting's done. And, you know, feeling I care about people's feelings as a person. But when it comes to forecasting results and forecasting outcomes, we, you can't, it can't be about how it makes people feel. It has to be about doing our job. But why why would you do Arizona? I think it was what percentage of the vote was in when you called it? I don't know. Eighty percent, probably. 80 percent or more, probably. I can't remember. Right. But, so, it, I, it, but if it was North like Carolina that. is near near ninety five or over, and I think they just added two thousand uh, to the total. I thought it was seventy four about fifteen minutes ago. So oh, wait, wait. I believe it's seventy six thousand. Now you're giving me news. If they got count in North Carolina, now that I want to know because we basically, you know, we have uh, among Nevada, uh, Pennsylvania, Georgia, we. Georgia is basically done in the sense that, yes, we're now we're going to have just trickles like and you heard. I don't know whether you heard the guy today. Georgia is at ninety nine point nine percent. And we can't call Georgia. A call isn't about what percentage is in. We call stuff with no percent. In, like we we can call based on priors and models in states that are over. We didn't you don't need a lot of vote in Wyoming or West Virginia to call it for Trump. So it's not about the percentage. It's about what the expectation is. And things cooked up quickly for us in Arizona because we have the FNVA. We have all that good data. So it cooks up quickly for us. Uh, But in a state like North Carolina, it doesn't matter. Or Georgia, the percentage 
when it's so, so close, right, when it's going to be close like that and you're talking in Georgia, you're talking about a thousand votes, right? You're not talking about 50,000 votes. You're talking about a thousand votes uh, in a big state like Georgia. You can't make a call until basically in in Georgia, I suspect there's not going to be a call to be made. There's going to be a count to be a count and probably a, a recount to be conducted. So when do you get these military votes? When did they start counting the, the roughly 9,000 military votes? Um, I uh, frankly forget. And <laughs> but, but do you think that they, I, they'll, they will do that, right? Yeah, of course. You know, here's the good news. We live in America. We don't live in some backwater, right? We don't live in some uh, country that doesn't have a good system. We have a great system. We have thousands of elections officials across the country that take their work seriously. We have a process that works and we have a court system and you go through the election system. You go through the court system. Everybody's acting like it's abnormal for the Trump campaign or not. I shouldn't say everybody. Some people are acting like it's abnormal that the Trump campaign is filing all the lawsuits. Now, they're doing a lot of lawsuits, but every four years. Right. And, and every two years, because this Senate campaign says we want this and they want that. We have a system. The system is the envy of the world. The system works, and it will work again this time. It's okay. Uh, so why are why is it taking so long? Well, because of all this mail-in vote. My gosh, it, all this mail-in vote. So think about it this way: we had forty percent of the vote was early the early votes uh, four years ago. It's going to be probably sixty percent of the vote, a fifty percent increase in how much uh, how many voters voted early. Uh, by mail or in person or whatever. Now, that's been a longstanding trend. And we know elections take longer because Americans like early voting. I don't like early voting. Uh, I have my own personal opinions about that. But a lot of Americans, Republicans and Democrats, like the convenience of early voting. And that's been the trend for a long time. So it stretches out these elections because of counting in close races. The counting takes longer. Now, this time we have this huge delay because of so many more, 50 percent increase in the number of people who cast ballots before Election Day. And it just takes a long time. It's like Election Week. So why did Florida do it? Uh, what do you mean? They were allowed. How come they got it done in one day? Well, because southern states have a much longer history and much greater affinity for early voting and absentee and mail voting. Right. Uh, it started in California and Texas, but moved across the South uh, for their cultural reasons. I don't know, but that that's how it is. So Florida is and especially because Florida has so many snowbirds and people who may live part of the year there and part of the year someplace else has something to do with it, too. Florida's really experienced at this. So Florida has, is used to voting by mail there. This is a big part of how they do things. So they're you know locked and ready to rock as soon as it happens in Pennsylvania. They don't. Right. They are old fashioned and they uh, election day vote has been dominant there like it is in a lot of northern states. Election day vote has tended to remain more important. The trends are changing. But these northern states were just simply not up to speed to be able to handle this much early vote. Whereas a state like Florida, that's well experienced. Florida and Texas didn't have those kind of problems. I think they were allowed they to weren't they allowed to count them before the election day. Isn't that one of the keys? And the others weren't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If Pennsylvania had it to do over and now the Republicans wouldn't and the Republicans in the state legend, they got in a fight as as they did in Wisconsin and other places. But they weren't allowed. The state state officials wanted to count early. And in Pennsylvania, they they couldn't they, they wouldn't let them do it. And I'm sure if they had it to do over again, I hope they would say, yeah, count them early and get it done, because as 
as smoothly and well as things are going, having uncertainty hang over this experience for any hour that's unnecessary, we should count every ballot. We should take our time. We should do things in a fair and deliberate way, but we shouldn't tarry either, right? We should do it as quickly as we can, as long as we're doing it in the fairest way possible. And I think if Pennsylvania had the chance to, to re, if we could go back to March and say, hey, okay, Pennsylvania, what do you want to do? They'd say, count the vote. So John Yu came on before and said that the when the Supreme Court refused to take the Pennsylvania case and say about the ballots being counted that arrived after Election Day or up until the 6th, they right. did agree to put it into a separate pile should this come back again. Because if you just open them and did it and then some ruling went, the, the ruling wouldn't matter. Right. So right. how what type of numbers do you think we're looking at? Should the Supreme Court get Pennsylvania's ballots that arrived after Election Day? Oh, well, I don't want to accidentally call the Pennsylvania race, so I want to be careful here. But let's say, hypothetically, that candidate B was going to be 25 or 30,000 votes down in Pennsylvania. Yep. Uh, then you are in a position where <clears throat> the so you have the ballots that have to be remedied. Right. So you have ballots that were provisionally cast. You see how many of those there are. The first thing that you that you do in situations like that, you look at the margin and then you count the number of problematic ballots. And the, that's the first question. Are there enough ballots here to change the outcome there? So I don't know how many would have come after Election Day. And I don't know how many um, uh, spoiled or, or, or I'm not sorry. Uh, I'm sorry, not spoiled, but um, conditional ballots that are there, provisional ballots that are there. But if the number in the questionable pile is not enough to change the outcome of the clean ballot, uh, the other ballots aren't unclean. You know what I mean? But yep. the straightforward, un, the straightforward ballots over here, if what's in pile B isn't big enough to change the outcome, you don't have to bother with pile B. You can just say, never mind, and just go with what's in column So a. see the distance and see the deficit. Hey, uh, Chris, yep. thanks so much. Try to get some sleep. Yeah, man. Good job. All right. Uh, Chris Tarwell, politics editor of Fox News, part of the uh, Fox election coverage. When we come back, we'll finish up with your calls. We'll bring you the latest. Uh, right now, we are following uh, Georgia pretty tight, and they're updating Arizona as we speak. So I'll give you those numbers when we return. It's Brian Kilmeade. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. Here we are sitting tonight, and it looks like the Republicans have a good chance of keeping the Senate. They picked up seats in the House where we told that would be impossible. And there's a, there is a pathway for Donald Trump to win the presidency. And they had none of the help of any of these, of these warped institutions that the left relied on. And, and what the bottom line of the subtext is, the left doesn't have 51% approval of the people. The people are not right. with them, and they use all of these other levers to uh, condition a pre-desired result. But they don't have the people. 
And they don't. And that whole wild socialism thing in the New Green Deal, which was a joke, that's limited to Queens, New York, and sections of Michigan. Forget the squad. They're not mainstream. That's what I love that I hope the Democrats stood up and said something about because they lost so many seats. Control of the Senate's up in the air. It'll be 48-48. If they get the Alaska, which they're about to, that'll be 49. If they get Tillis in North Carolina, that'll be 50. Then there'll be two seats left after. That'll be Georgia. And both seats in Georgia, I would think, lean towards Republicans. But there's going to be a crazy amount of money and time put into Georgia because the balance of the Senate and a whole direction of the country is at stake. That'll be the new story. But sometime today, we could have a president-elect Biden unless something changes dramatically, dramatically uh, for the president of the United States. Steve, listen on WABC in Brooklyn. Steve. Yes, uh, two things quickly. The uh, disrespect that you had correctly mentioned about the announcers Unbelievable. was not really alone for the president. It was of it was disrespect for 50 percent of the population of the United States, approximately, from approximately the other 50 percent. That's one point. It's really about disrespect for the voters, not for the figurehead uh, leaders. Secondly. The United States chose uh, its animal estate, the bird, as the eagle. And an eagle has two wings. And they, the old-time politician um, and analyst referred to political wings. And what it meant was the right wing and the left wing have to cooperate or the bird falls out of the sky and dies from predators down below. And what we have here is one wing trying to bully the other wing. Not going to work. And it's not, not working. Not work, exactly. And by you want to hear this. Thanks, Steve. Uh, you want to hear disrespect. Listen to the view yesterday. Cut. For the past four years, this president has shown us that he is a misogynist, that he is homophobic, that he is uh, racist, and that he can that he mismanaged a, a, a coronavirus pandemic to the tune of over two hundred and fifty thousand American deaths. Yet fifty percent of America right. saw all of that and looked the other way to their brothers and their sisters and said, I'm going to vote for him anyway. And that is really disheartening because for me, that means that you are selfish. Unbelievable. Uh, This is a woman, a lawyer, who's suing her own company, I understand. But that is not true. He is not a racist. He's not a sexist. He's not homophobic. Never has been. Ask Rick Grinnell. Uh, Not a racist. Ask Herschel Walker. Ask... uh, Ask uh, the rappers that came forward. Ask the now 15 plus percent of the African-American community that voted for him or the Hispanic community, which is approaching in the mid 30 percent that voted for him. Maybe because he's been misportrayed by people like you. That's the problem. Linda, listening on WDBO in Orlando. There's something you mentioned in the 10 o'clock hour that uh, jumped out at me. I believe okay. it was in reference to Nevada and yeah. uh the election officials were in the process of counting the mail-in absentee ballots, uh, discarding the envelopes. Assuming I let's assume I got that part right. You got 100 uh, percent right. They threw at the envelopes. So we have no idea uh, where the, when they came in. OK, next. Uh, I was a poll worker this year, so I early voting and uh, day of also the uh, primary in August. I have a good idea of how things are supposed to happen. I know that's not supposed to happen, what they're doing. 
I would like to see two things. I would like to see uh, an application for an emergency injunction to stop the counting of the mail-in ballots in Nevada uh, until uh, the election supervisor can provide to the courts uh, plans exactly what they're doing with those envelopes. And uh, at the same time, I would love to see uh, units of uh, federal officials, preferably not FBI, but many U.S. Marshals or even military, uh, go to the various polling, uh, not the polling places, but the, the supervisors of elections headquarters and locate the dumpsters or the bags about to go into the dumpsters and guard them pending uh, court oh, in Nevada, action. Yeah, but keep in mind, you're, you're right. They want to see if this is widespread. But in Nevada, the distance is now 20,550. It's doubled since we've been speaking over the last 20 minutes. These are live race boards. And Nevada is not going to decide it. It looks like Pennsylvania and Georgia. Georgia is going to go right to a recount, by the way. So don't expect Georgia to be posted anytime soon. Pennsylvania is now dipping, 8,873. So that's interesting. And we've got to count those military ballots everywhere. Uh, let's go to thanks, Linda. Uh, so that's really where we're at right now. We have Nancy Pelosi, who spoke earlier, uh, and this is what she had to say, Nancy Pelosi, about getting trounced in this election, trying to spin it. While we prepare for the new Biden administration, we must also move swiftly for a new coronavirus relief bill. So you can do that. Uh, we want the Republicans to come back to the table. Really? That's interesting. The House is now a lot closer, and she has to run for leadership. Leadership she did through in the street, uh, the arrogant way she portrayed herself like a cartoon character, and the American people responded. Well, keep it here for the latest. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. Go to briankilmeadeshow.com, listen anytime, and get the podcast. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Janice Dean, Fox News Senior Meteorologist. Be sure to subscribe to the Janice Dean Podcast at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to spread the sunshine. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.